the Owlish Folk, a podcast that answers questions about the English language. I'm Amanda, and with me is Dave, whom I always catch walking about in hallways, rhubarbing to himself. <laughs> rhubarbing? Yeah. But that sounds rude. What is it? No, it's not. It sounds like it might be something that comes from your bottom, but it isn't. To say the word rhubarb over and over again in a low, distinct voice. And... The reason why that is a thing is because it's the word that thespians use in a crowd scene when they're wishing to mimic the sound of general conversation. So imagine you're watching a play, maybe a Shakespearean play, and there's lots of actors or actresses on the stage, and they're kind of murmuring to themselves. The standard word was rhubarb. So they would go rhubarb, 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 like to pretend that they're talking to each other. Oh, wow. Okay. Rhubarbing. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a really strange word, but I like it. Now, rhubarb comes from the ancient Greek, ra barbaron, which literally means foreign rhubarb. Foreign rhubarb. Now it gets a little bit deeper than that. Rhubarb was a strange, quote, oriental delicacy imported to the classical world via Russia from Tibet, end quote. So barbaron was Greek for foreigner because the foreigners were called barbarians barbaron barbarians barbarians were just foreigners yeah and the reason why is because the greeks couldn't understand their language and it sounded like bar 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 blah 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 bar 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 so they were barbarians they just say bar 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 yeah isn't that kind of funny <laughs> that is rude. yeah so if you want to disguise the fact that nobody wants to talk to you or if you want to pretend you're on the phone just say the fo- the word rhubarb over and over rhubarb, again. Rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. It looks like you're having a conversation with someone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's very, very interesting. Rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. <laughs> so what's the question of the day, David? Well, the question of today is about body parts, and it comes from Sam. Um, the question is this. Why is an elbow called an <laughs> elbow? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was just waiting for you to say this. Yeah, because that's ahead. a good question. Okay. Sorry, Sam. Amanda is rude. Why is an elbow called an elbow, but a knee is not called a knee-bow? A knee-bow. And I think, <laughs> Sam, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not making fun of Sam. You are. I'm not making fun of Sam. Continue. I think Sam is asking, since the knee is kind of the elbow that's of the right. leg, mm-hmm. and bow means curved. Yes. <laughs> Why, or bend, why isn't the knee also a bow? See, I actually uh, also was thinking elbow bending. You know, you're bending your elbow, you're bending your knee. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Well, I guess we'll find out today, won't we? Yeah, we will. Like right now. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) okay. Because that's why we're here. That's why we do this. All right. So what is the etymology of elbow? Well, elbow comes from uh, Old English. And it literally means a bend in the forearm. Um, so in Proto-Indo-European, elina means arm, and el just means forearm. Mm. Bow means bend, so elbow, a bend in your arm. Interesting. And isn't l also the unit of length, sometimes uh, covering the distance from the elbow to the wrist? Oh, is it? Yes, it is. So the distance from elbow to wrist is about... L. Yeah, and that's E-L-L. about a foot, right? Approximately, depending on 
big your arm is. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm gonna cut that out. It sounds stupid. <laughs> All right, now. Um, but yeah, it's the unit of length. All right, when would we use that unit of length? Do we use it these days? I'm not sure, but I suppose if you wanted to measure something like a desk, you could use the L distance, ELL, and just, you know, say if it's three L's, then it's three distances from your elbow to your wrist across the desk. So very approximate, right? Yes. All right, so that covers L, uh, elbow. Now, there is a Latin word for elbow, which is cubitus, and cubital is anything relating to the elbow, especially in, like, medicine. But... To be honest, um, everyone calls elbow an elbow. But in medicine, a lot of words come through Latin, elbow, and also knee are through Old English and from a Germanic root. So knee comes from the Old English kneo or kneu. And as we said in like the silent letters episode, the K of knee is silent now, mm -hmm. but it wasn't always silent. So yes. the spelling re uh, represents the old pronunciation. So in Old Norse, it's kne, and Old Saxon is kneo, and Old Frisian is kni. And so that's the root of our word, knee. We just lost the, the pronunciation of the K at the beginning. That's some good information. So, Sam, I hope your question was answered. And obviously, we're going to center our episode today on body parts. <laughs> some common body parts and or uh, maybe organs or something like that that we use all the time but we don't really know the origins of for example how about thumb ah now this one also came up in the silent letters episode uh, episode yes. two and it was uh, thumba right so thumb comes from the Old English thumma, coming from the Indo-European root meaning to swell, which it's funny because if you look at your hand, you might have these long fingers and then you have this short, squat, opposable, strange digits sticking out of your hand and that's your thumb, your swelled finger. Yes, I suppose it's like a swollen finger with one fewer mm, joints, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Other words that come from this root are thigh, which if you think about it, it is kind of a swollen part of your leg, isn't it? The calf is nice and thin and then the, the thigh is kind of big and swollen. Oh, that's, that is interesting. Thigh and thumb, mm. the th part it represents the swelling. Yeah. Thousand, which I don't really know why it came from that, but thousand is a big number. But if it means swelling, mm. then I suppose as numbers get bigger yes. and bigger exponentially, you're going to mm. end up using words that mean big. Mm. Thimble, which is something that's large that you put over your thumb to protect it from needles. Right. Tumor, which is obvious. Tomb and tumescence. Well, tomb, what do you mean, tomb? T-O-M-B. Oh, tomb. Yeah, tomb. Where you lay some a corpse to yes. rest. Okay, and then, but tumescence does make sense because it does mean swelling. Yes. Do you have a word? Uh, a part of the body? An organ? Something like that? Well, yeah, I, I was going to go back to the knee. So oh, sorry. No, it's kind of ruined it now. But oh. let's go back to the knee and the cap of the knee. The knee cap. Cap meaning yes. the important part or the head. Okay, the cap knee of the cap. knee. 
Um, the proper name for this is patella, the patella. And the patella comes from Latin and comes from pan, kneecap. So the pan of the knee, right? Mm -hmm. So it's related to the word patina, which means pan. And this is like cooking pan. So the patella is like the cooking pan on your knee. Interesting. It's also related to other words, including the Spanish paella. Oh. Right? So it's the same pa, the same root as patella, paella. Um, which is, so paella is named for the pan in which you cook that rice That's dish. That's cool. Right? I really like that. Yeah. So I'm going to do what you just did, and I'm going to go back. I mentioned calf when we're talking about the swelling of the uh, thigh. Yeah. And this is a really strange coincidence. So a calf is a baby cow, and the back of the lower leg is called a calf, but they're homographs. So they're words with different origins that end up being spelled the same. But they're not related at all. Okay. So the bovine word is from Old English. Now, you said this in a previous episode. Do you remember it? Uh, calf? Yes. And the anatomical word entered English in the Middle Ages, but that comes from Old Norse kalfi. So they sound very similar. Yeah. But they're totally, they're from two different groups of uh, linguistic. Mm. Yeah, but it does... Uh, kind of fit with how language works, mm -hmm. that they kind of um, merge together. If you're yes. writing one in one way and there's another word that sounds very similar, it might well become mm -hmm. spelled in that way as you... Because they're very old words, yes. body parts and uh, farm mm -hmm. animals, as people start writing and writing becomes common, you, yeah. you spell these things in the same way. All right, so calf of the leg and calf the animal are not connected. Yep, unrelated. So, how about we just talk about the names of body parts that we're familiar with, but we didn't know had names, proper names. That sounds good. Do you have a word? Uh, I do. All right, so, continuing with our leg theme. Oh, good. Travelling down the leg. Oh, to the ankle? No, past Aww. the ankle, to the foot, along the foot, the end of the foot. The toesy woesies. Yeah, and your biggest toe is called the big toe, right? The big toe. Which yeah. is like the thumb of your foot. Mm -hmm. It's like you're a swollen toe. Ew. But there's a technical word for this, which is the hallux. Yes. So the hallux is your big toe. And then the smallest toe is called the minimus. That's really cute. Yeah. I like the um, diminutive word for it. Things like that. Yeah, minimus. The, the minimus. That's cute. I have one that you'll know. Go on then. Because again, we talked about this in a previous episode. Muscle comes from the Latin for little mouse. And what is it? Um, mouscule? Musculus. Musculus. Yes. And how about coccyx? Is coccyx. that how you pronounce it? Oh, coccyx? Yeah. It's Greek for cuckoo. Isn't that weird? Cuckoo the bird. Yes. So your coccyx, the little bone at the top of your bottom. Yes. The bottom of your back. Yes. Um, is Greek for cuckoo. Cuckoo. Yeah, it's one of the oldest words in anatomy, coined around 300 BC. 
And the word was inspired by the bill of the cuckoo. You say that word strangely, cuckoo. Cuckoo. How cuckoo? Cuckoo. Cuckoo. Yeah. Well, how should I say it? Well, I suppose like you are saying it, but it just sounds strange. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. So I'm going to travel up from the coccyx all the way up the back, round to the front. Oh my! Onto the face. Mind yourself. And to your canthus. Wait a minute. Okay. Where do you think it is on your face, your canthus? Your eye. Yeah. The corner of the eye. It is. Yeah. It's where the upper and lower eyelids meet. The canthus. Wonderful. Where the upper and lower lids come together? Yeah. Like in the middle where we have the crusties that... Yeah, I, I think where you're... Um, it's either side. So oh, inner okay. or outer can be a canthus. Oh. So the inner, inner part where you get your tear duct or mm-hmm. the outer part. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. So what's your next one? Filtrum. The filtrum. I know this because there was a TV advert in England many years ago and... It had a load of people, I think they were in heaven, and uh, they can ask any question they want. And a little girl asks, what's this part? And I'm pointing now to my philtrum. What is it? The philtrum is the groove between the bottom of the nose and the upper lip. Hmm. So this is formed when um, the embryo is developing uh, in the womb. And the parts of the face kind of fuse together. Oh, is it really? I think it's like a seam, yeah. Interesting. So if you have a cleft lip, then do they not, they don't come together? I think that's what that is. Uh-huh. Yeah, they haven't come together properly um, mm. and or cleanly. And so, yeah, you end up with a, a cleft. That's interesting. Mm. Filtrum comes from the Latin word filtrum, which initially meant love potion. Oh, or yeah. love charm. Love charm. Yeah, and it only started being used for the body part in around the 17th century. What's interesting about this body part is in most mammals, for example, dogs, the philtrum is used to carry moisture from the mouth through capillaries to the nose in order to keep it wet, right? So dogs often have wet noses and so do cats. A wet nose traps odor particles better than a dry one, so this enhances the smell. But we don't need this function Mm. in, you know, humans don't need it, but but maybe an ancestral species needed a little basin shape mm. below the nose, and we've just got the remnant of it. So is it kind of useless now for us? I don't know. I mean, if we it? didn't have it, maybe it would cause certain problems. Maybe it helps funnel things away or mm. to our nose. Maybe it helps funnel smells into the nose yeah, maybe. because of the, the shape. All right, well, let's hear a new, uh, a new rare word. Uh, frenulum. Frenulum. Uh, I, have, I, I do know this one because... Um, as we are both parents, yeah. uh, they often talk about maybe a problem with the frenulum with a baby. Yeah, we thought there was a problem with my son's frenulum because ah. the fren- frenulum, there are several on the body, but it's a frenulum is a thin bit of skin, like a membrane that connects two muscles together to stop them becoming separated. So you've got one at the base of your tongue. Um, the, the frenulum is that membrane at the base of your tongue and it's, I think, just to keep your tongue mm. kind of close to the bottom of your mouth. So it doesn't just flap around. <laughs> I mean, it's a muscle. You do have some control over it. But also, at the, uh, in your lower and upper lips, there are small frenulums. Frenulums? Frenuli. The next word is glabella. <laughs> Unless it's glabella. Uh, I think glabella. Okay. 
It's the smooth part of the forehead. Right in between the eyebrows. Ah, yes. Where you would wax. I've shaved here before with a little blade. So what, where does the word come from? Well, it comes from the Latin glaber, meaning without hair, smooth, or bald. Okay. And then when you get dehydrated, it shrivels up and shows yes. that you're dehydrated. Oh, I have a kind of a cool one, right? Okay. So you know that bit of your back that you can't scratch? If yes. you get an itch and you can't scratch it. Yes, I know this. And it's got a name. A yes, specific it does. name. And every mammal has yes. one of these. Um, I always scratch this area for my cat because I know she can't reach it. Okay. And it is most pleasurable for her when I do scratch it. The dog as well. My dog, mm. if you scratch just in between her shoulder blades, mm -hmm. she uh, whimpers. Let's say on three. One, two, three. Agnestis. But I thought that was really cool. It's something that I didn't think would have a name. But actually has a specific yeah. name. Ag Agnestis. Agnestis. Yeah. So yes. when you get the niche there and you want someone to scratch it and you want to sound smart too, mm -hmm. scratch my Agnestis. <laughs> talk about some strange nicknames for body parts. Now I have to give credit to this one because it was my husband's idea. The anatomical snuff box. So Justin wanted to talk about the anatomical snuff box. Yes. Now a snuff box, so snuff you sniff into yes. your nose, right? It's like That's tobacco right. that you put into your mm -hmm. nose. All right. So it's got to be something on the hand. And I think of like um, when you drink tequila, you put lemon on your yes. on the base of your thumb. That's oh, you right. put salt on the base of your thumb, you suck the lemon, mm -hmm. right? So I would imagine it's where you would put the salt when you drink tequila. So it's actually, yeah, right in that area. It's known as the radial fossa, the triangular depression found on the lateral aspect of the dorsum of the hand. So can you kind of explain that? Yeah, if you hold your pointer finger out and then your um, thumb at right angles to your pointer finger and you make like an L shape as if you were calling someone a loser. Okay. And then you've got that bit of webbed skin that connects your thumb and your finger, almost like a frenulum on your hand. Uh -huh. It's not really a membrane though, it's a bit too thick to be a membrane. But that little dip in there you could put your snuff in there, right? Snuff it up your nose. You snuff up your nose, yes. Do you have a, uh, an interesting nickname for a body part? Yeah. So how about a clapper? <laughs> um, I don't know. A clapper is the tongue of a talkative person. Oh, my. So the nickname for the tongue is the clapper because it kind of claps ah, around in your mouth. Yeah. But you would usually use it to describe a talkative That's person's tongue. That's kind of tongue. funny. A clapper is the part of a bell that waggles around inside the bell. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. -a -ling oh, it looks kind of like a little tongue. Like a little tongue. So oh, that's fantastic. And your word is? Dew beaters. Dew beaters. Um, do, D-E-W, right? Yes. Dew. Uh, so dew is on the ground. Yes. The uh, moisture that occurs on the ground overnight. So dew beaters would be your feet, right? That's right. So dew beaters are your, your feet. What about your daddles? I don't know. <laughs> All right. I can't so, even guess to where they would come from. Well, your daddles are your hands, but I couldn't find a reason why your daddles are your hands. It's just a, a nickname for, for hands. I have a really cool one. Uh, this one I really love. Pudding house. Your pudding house. Oh, 
These are kind of all gross a little bit. Well, <laughs> What's it's a where, pudding house? It's where your pudding ends up. If you eat your pudding, where does it end up? Not the toilet, but <laughs> in your body. Okay, in your belly. Yes, yes. So it's your stomach. Your pudding right, house is your stomach. Right, I guess. <laughs> it's really... But uh, it's... And if you... Yeah... So people who become large might be in the pudding club, and this is a British slang term for uh, also pregnant women, might be in the pudding club. Oh my gosh. So how about oxter? Where do you think that comes from? Or where, where that is? Oxter. I have no idea from the name. I have no idea. So oxter means armpit. Yes. And there's a great quote by Frank McCourt. He writes, you might have... The lives of the poets under your oxter, young fellow. But you don't have them in your head, so go home and read. Oh, so he's saying you might have the book under your arm. Yep, walking around the street. But go read it. Yeah. Yeah, carrying yeah. it is not enough. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right. Give it to me. Keekers. K-E-E-K-E-R-S. Keekers. Oh, I don't know. You have two of them. Ears. Uh, so Nostrils. to keek is an old Scots term meaning to peep or to oh. look very quickly, to glance or glimpse. So your keekers are your, are your eyes. But also a keeker might be someone who likes to peep. So a keeker oh, could be a, peeper. a peeper, yeah, a peeping Tom. But also your keekers are just your eyes. If anyone else has any, if any listeners, listeners, if you have any words or slang terms for body parts that you think are cool or interesting, let us know. Tell us about them. Yes, please do. now for you Dave all right <laughs> I'm going to say some words and I want you to guess where on the body they are okay go for it okay hit me condyle your condyle oh my goodness condyle how many of them do you have oh my a lot condyle at least 10 Wait, <laughs> no, you only have ten. You only have ten. Okay, condyles must Wait. be digits then, right? Your fingers and toes. No. I, I don't know. Knuckles. Oh, knuckles, all right. But you have toe knuckles. Yeah, but... So I don't know if they would count for that. That's why I said a lot, but then I was thinking, well, they're probably only referring to the hand knuckle. Yeah, if you tell me about knuckles, I think of hand knuckles. I okay. I toe knuckles. Yeah, condyles and But I knuckles. like toe knuckle. That's toe a nice knuckles. word. Toe knuckles. <laughs> You're my little toe knuckle. <laughs> All right. How about pinna? Pinna. Uh, it sounds like something you'd have one of. So pinna, I'm going to say... You have two of them. Nostrils. That is actually nares or okay. nares. Nares, okay. But pinna is the visible part of the ear. Pinna, the part of yes, the ear you can so see. Yes, so the outside of the ear. All right. How about... So number three. Nathion. Nathion. Ah, so nath or nath refers to jawbone. Yes. Right? Yes. Because anatha are jawless fishes. Okay. So nathion must be a part of the jaw. Like okay. The, maybe the lower jaw, nathion. The lowest point of the chin. Right. So the tip of the chin. Come on. Very good. Any more? Number four. Pate. Pate. P-A-T-E. I think it's got to be to do with head. Yes, you're right. Pate. 
It sounds like plate, so I think it's probably like the dome of your forehead, your forehead. You're close. It's the crown. The crown, the top okay. Of the head. Yes. This is a very, very strange one. Gao pen. Gao pen. This is not uh, really a body part, but if you do this with your body parts, then something else is formed. Ah, okay. Galpen, I think, is when you put your hands together, you cup your hands to make like a bowl shape if you want to drink water from yes. a stream. How did you know that? Um, I don't know. I just think, yeah, I think I must have heard it before already. Okay. Somewhere. Galpen. Okay. Okay. I have one last one. A pearl, pearly cue. Pearly cue. Do we have just one of these? You have two. Do you have two? I do. Pearly Q. You have two as well. Uh, pearly Q. I feel like it's another kind of divot in the body. Yes, it is. Uh, pearly Q. Is it your the divot where you have your clavicle and your neck? So it's near your shoulder. No, it is another name for the anatomical snuffbox. The pearly, pearly cues. Yeah, the space in between the forefinger and the thumb. Yep. Yeah. And it was originally used in North England. It is thought to derive from the Scots term pearly, meaning curly or twisted. You know, like curly cue, pearly cue. How is it curly? Because it's a synonym for curly cue, a term in calligraphy to describe the curls in a person's writing. So, yeah, so okay, because it could look like the little curly bit on a cue. I have one more for you. Maller. I'll give you a hint. Uh, how do we spell it? Maller. M A L A R. Maller. From the Latin, mala. So, mal means uh, to be unwell, right? Mm hmm. Like malady. Um, mala. So I think it would be either stomach, where you start to feel unwell, or maybe your brain. Kind of in the middle, relating to the cheek. Mala. Yes. It's the cheek? From the Latin mala, meaning cheek, yes. The only remaining use for that we use now is um, in anatomy, malar lymph nodes, which are the ones near the, the face, the okay. cheekbone. The cheekbone was once called the malar, but now we call it the zygomatic bone. Which one? The, the cheekbone. The cheekbone, the mm -hmm. zygomatic bone. Yes. Ah, and then that connects to the maxilla, which is your yes. face bone, right? Mm-hmm. Now, mala is thought of to probably be derived from malus, which is Latin for apple. And apples and cheeks have been linked in the future. I mean, in the past. Anyway, well, the, the reason why is because malice is malic acid and it was first isolated in apple juice. Okay. Uh, dada means to shake. So maybe daddles are called daddles because some people have shaky hands. Maybe they were originally unsteady hands and maybe. it just came to mean anyone's hands. All right. Uh, should we wrap up here? Yes, let's do it. Thanks for listening to us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode about body parts and... Yeah, as we said before, if you've got any body part nicknames, uh, kind of regional ones we haven't mentioned, send them to us and then we could uh, make a, a list of them. Yeah, I'd like to hear some regional body part names. Yeah, maybe there are body parts that you have that other people don't have. <laughs> Give them a name. 
Send them to us. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please give us a review on iTunes. Thanks to Justin for the music, New Media for the artwork, and a big high five to Jeff at Central Sound and Picture. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and subscribe. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter at The Owlish Folk. Send us questions or comments to theowlishfolk at gmail.com.